Before jumping into today's episode, I am very excited to tell you about our biggest ever online event called Master Your Music. And this is a free event featuring six different workshops on topics such as music business, music production, mixing, music marketing, and loads more. And you'll get the opportunity to network with like-minded musicians from around the world, as well as learn from our award-winning teachers to teach you on topics in which they are experts to really make 2024 the absolute best year for your music. So please make the most of these free tickets while they are available and you can grab them at musicproductionforwomen.com slash master dash your dash music or please use the link in the show notes. I look forward to seeing you then. Uh, what am I saying? This is MPW, 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 the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Rafaela is a multifaceted artist, writer, producer and vocal producer who has worked with a huge array of artists including the likes of Rudimental, Little Mix, Emnek, Armin Van Buren and loads more. As an artist, she has gained over 100 million plays and streams on Spotify and received support from the likes of Radio 1, Capital, Capital Dance, Kiss and more. Hi, Rafaela. It's great to have you on our podcast. So how is your morning going so far? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's good. All the better for talking to you. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. (laughs) No, very good. Very good. So keen to get into our topic today on interpolations. But before we do that, I would love to hear a little bit more about uh, where did things start in music for you? And how did you get to where we are today? So I, I was like one of those really annoying kids, I guess, that always like, I always knew what I wanted to do. I would just sing around the house and dance around the house and annoy my parents. (laughs) So I started actually classically. So I learned classical violin when I was like six. And then a year later, I started piano. And then so I did like the classical thing for like, I guess until I was like 18, I was like one of those really cool kids in orchestras. And when I say cool, I mean like super uncool. And and then um, I started just like, writing I was really badly bullied at school and so I didn't really have many friends (laughs) so um to sort of like try and express how I was feeling I would just like lock myself in the music rooms and I would just write how I was feeling and write songs on the piano and then I did a music degree and then I met my now publisher like in my last year of uni I was doing a show at Shoreditch House and he was there and I'm like five foot one on a good day and I had like such a bad cold and it was like I'm absolutely packed like I mean honestly Shoreditch House were like packed and he was like I couldn't see you you were so short (laughs) but I just heard this voice and these songs and then yeah so I I signed to them like just as I was graduating and then I've been doing it ever since. I love that and uh, I actually had this weird thought this morning that uh, I feel like all the losers in high school, me included. We're the coolest um, kids now. Turned out to be the cool kids, I would say. I would like to I would like to think so too. I'd like to think it was character building. I think so. I think you so. know, otherwise maybe you just had it too easy if everyone liked you all your life. I agree. I think if you peak at school, there's something to be worried about, to be concerned mm. about. Yeah. I think so. 
<laughs> no shade to those kids who did peak at school. Good for you. Yeah. Glad you had a great time. <laughs> but yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, a few lessons along the way as a result. I think so. But yeah. then coming to a bit of time travel, what is one event in your life that you feel like you have learnt the most from? I think there's been loads of events. Um, <laughs> but I think... I guess in a way, it's probably, I mean, quite recently, I think the pandemic has actually taught me the most about myself than I ever thought would be possible. I was, like, mental health-wise, it was probably the darkest period of my entire life. And I think probably most, a lot of people went through that. And music was literally, I guess, the only thing that saved me through that entire period. Like, I was so not to get like really deep on like a Wednesday morning or on a Wednesday evening. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, I can honestly like day to day, if I brushed my hair, I was like, I'm doing well. Yet I was like just writing every day. I was doing Zoom sessions. I was like, I did, um, I vocal produced the Little Mix album, Confetti. And so I was doing all of that. We were doing all of that, like whilst uh, just literally over online. And so I think it kind of taught me like, I have more strength than I realized I did. And also like the the idea of like just being connected with people. Human connection is so important. And I really, really like, I'm so grateful for music that it kept me feeling connected to people. And I feel like I learned that actually, even though, particularly in London, like you can just walk around and like no one talks to each other or you go on the tube and like if you even look at each other, it's like, oh my God, they're crazy. <laughs> but I guess like the pandemic actually reminded me that actually ultimately we all are human and we all do just want human connection. And if you just talk to someone, nine times out of 10, they'll talk to you back and they'll be so happy that you want a human connection too. So yeah, I think that. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point. And I remember when I was living in London and I was trying to do things to get myself out of mm -hmm. my comfort zone. And one of the things on the list was talk to a random person <laughs> on the tube. And honestly, it was like the scariest thing. It is it, so it scary. Was lovely. It is. I, it's so wild because everyone is so like, everyone looks super miserable and super busy. But as soon as you start to have a conversation, I like to compliment people. I think like it's, you don't, people don't receive compliments enough. And I think a lot of people mm. think something nice about someone, but never think to say it because they're too scared of coming across as weird. But as soon as you, if, as soon as like someone compliments you, or you say something nice to someone, it like genuinely, it makes my day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. And then you have like a really nice conversation. So yeah, for sure, for sure. And then like everyone else in the train like listens to you. Yeah, and, and it was like, like wow. Oh my gosh, <laughs> random conversation happening here. I know, but they, but secret, yeah, they secretly live for it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. for sure, for sure. It's um, yeah. it's actually such a lovely thing to do and strange that it, uh, it is such an abnormal thing. So rare, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then coming to a random fact, can you tell me something about yourself that perhaps not that many people in the industry know about you? I guess I'm like a closet, not so secret geek. So I'm super geeky. I did like five A levels and um, I did like further English. <laughs> 
and as well as English. So I guess, yeah, like I'm a bit of a geek. And in lockdowns, I did some of the um, Oxford University have like these online courses. So I did one in Islamic art and architecture and then one in like Victorian women's literature. So that was me like literally squirreling away being like, oh yeah, I'm so happy I have like an extra couple hours in a day. <laughs> I don't have to commute. So yeah, I'm like a not so secret geek, I guess. Okay. And I have really random facts about etymology. Like, I just love etymology, like where words come from and stuff and where things come from. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a weird, weird encyclopedia. I'm glad you defined that because I did not know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm half Persian, which is quite like important to me. And um, I guess like everyone's culture is. And like, so random words like, I don't know, candy comes from gand which means sugar in Farsi, gandhi. So it means like to be sweet. So there's loads of different, I think like um, language is so interesting because it holds like the whole history of the world within it. So you see where people, like, I think if everyone is like, oh, I live in this country and this is my border. It's so stupid because in our own language, we have other cultures that live within it. So I think it's, it's really, it's an amazing way to like realize how connected as the world we are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a <laughs> lovely fact, but in, in your random fact as well. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I like uh, to provide. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Good stuff. So now coming to our topic of interpolations, can mm-hmm. you tell me firstly, what exactly is an interpolation? Okay, well, I'm definitely not um, Google. So my Definition is probably not going to be precise. But the idea of an interpolation is when you take, well, musically, a melody, (laughs) but you change the lyric. So that's what I did with Holler at Me. So I have like the the melody of No Scrubs, but I've changed the lyric. So you're interpolating, you're taking a piece of that music and you're interpolating it. You're putting it with a new piece of music and sort of changing it so it becomes a new piece of art. Okay. Um, yes. No, that's good and probably um, easier for us to, to understand. Digest but I mean, I Google. guess yeah. I guess you can like <laughs> interpolate even I don't know different parts of the music and and like change it. Yeah. But m- for me specifically, I did it. I did it with a lyric. Okay. Okay. So you did that with a lyric and a melody, or just yeah. So just I took lyric. I took the melody of No Scrubs, the hook. So you can holler at me. So if you want my love, so like I took like the the chorus, um, the hook melody, and then I interpolated it into my version and I changed the lyric. So like, yeah, I switched the lyric up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that's what that's yeah. what I thought. <laughs> I, I heard the heard the track and great track. <laughs> oh, so thanks. it's you you've used the melody mm-hmm. and then added your own lyrics lyric. in there. Yes. So. What is then the process of you getting the copyright uh, or, you know, what's involved to be able how to, to clear release it. that song? So you need to clear the song, like, well, the, the interpolation, the usage in terms of like copyright. So I luckily have a great publisher, <laughs> a manager who do that for me. So I get it was sort of like them, my publisher talking to you. So they're the original writers on the song. They are all published. So let's say it's Warner and Sony. And so my publisher talks to Warner and Sony. They're like, hey, we have our artist and she's wanting to release this interpolation using no scrubs. They send the actual demo and then like a breakdown of where exactly it's all used. And then their publishers 
say yes that's fine or no that's not fine <laughs> so that's that's what happened and thankfully that's not my job because <laughs> I would not yes. be I would be very stressed out <laughs> yeah yeah so what was going through your mind actually when you were writing the song and decided to use this melody was it a thought in your mind that or how are you going to get clearance or did that just happen organically and you, you thought, I'll worry about that later? I guess like when you're in the creative flow, you don't really think about potential things that can go wrong. So I was just, I had come up with this, with a track. So I produce and I write for other, for other artists as well. That's another side of my job. And so that week I had a couple of sessions where I was like the producer. So I like to prepare a couple of tracks before going in. So I'm prepared and like there's some vibes for us to like write over. So this was one of them I started and I had like the bass line. I had like some of the percussive elements and then also like the, the piano line. And just, I don't know why, but I just carried on singing the melody of No Scrubs over the top. And I was like, oh, this is such a vibe. And I carried on like singing it. And then I thought, actually, this is a really fun idea because I was born in the 90s and it's one of my favorite songs of all time. So I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to take this into my session. I think I'm going to finish it for me. So I just literally did it for like the joy of creating it. I wasn't even thinking like, yeah, this is definitely going to be my single. I just had so much fun doing it. I was like, well, this is like really good fun. Let me just carry on until I finish until I finish it and then yeah like all my team were like oh this is super fun like we should definitely I should release this so and then I was like okay cool and how do we go about doing this so yeah. thankfully they've had experience yeah. in doing it <laughs> so yeah that's good that's good so then looking at the kind of splits on who gets paid what is that something that I guess you're a publishing team looked mm -hmm. after but do you know how how that worked like is it going to the original songwriters mm -hmm. because in my limited knowledge I guess you've got the song and then you've got the master rights which are owned by the the recording label and then the songwriting mm -hmm. rights which yeah. would be owned by the songwriter so then would they own a part of your song and how is that negotiated? So it is always a separate conversation depending on every difference, every single different song is always, always going to have like a different um, situation and scenario that ends up being how it is. But with every single song, there is two sides, as you said, there's the master side, which is like the actual recording of the song. And then there's the publishing side, which is the actual like intellectual property of the of the copyright and so that intellectual property of the copyright is always gonna belong to the original songwriters I'm a songwriter myself so I would literally never be I would never want to take anything that is belongs to someone else so and it all depends so like in some situations the entire copyright will go to the original songwriters in other situations there'll be like a you know a negotiation and be like look it's been used here but it doesn't take up the it doesn't equate to the entire song so maybe you'll come to a the conclusion that you as the new creator will get 20% or 10% or whatever or, or equal depending on how much that interpolation is used through the song or you'd be like you know what it is actually the entire song if it wasn't for that hook it would be nothing so you give 100% it really depends on each situation but then on the master side unless there's been something audibly used like an original piece of production or an original vocal 
that master belongs to you as an art, as the artist who's created that production and the label. So yeah, that's how it's normally like split. Right. Okay. So depending on the, let's call it maybe the weight usage. of the yeah the usage um, <laughs> yeah the usage of the hawk or whatever you've decided to uh, to put into the song, and it might not be that you know it's used ten percent, so that mm-hmm. means ten percent goes to them, but just kind of the uh, contribution to this final song. Yeah, then that will be split, and then they would then own a portion of the songwriting or, or the mm-hmm. um, the composition and then you would own 100% of the of the master. master yeah well yeah and split with the with the publishing la- um, sorry with the with the label with the record label yeah. but generally like it's a, if if the interpolation is huge and it makes up most of the song obviously that's the intellectual property of the original songwriters so you know in the interest of being fair that's how it should how it should be split yeah yeah, yeah, totally. And is that something that maybe there is more bargaining power with the original artists and those labels, would you say? I mean, it really depends. For me, because I am a songwriter, I wouldn't ever want to like bargain in a way that would make anyone feel rubbish, if that makes sense. If I truly feel like, well, look, I have in the, in the spirit of of taking the hook and using it as an interpolation and using it as like, you know, a, a huge part of the of the inspiration I wouldn't want to be like <laughs> bargain to the point of making them feel awful do you know what I mean that's mm. not oh, no, I'm a no, songwriter no. so yeah. it's I, I think it really depends on each song how much is used who is releasing it and the original song as well it really really depends so obviously yeah you, you can I wouldn't say bargain but you can come into an agreement between all parties with what feels fair I think that's how I would how I would think of it yeah yeah okay yeah no that sounds um that sounds like a good way to approach it so say you perhaps didn't have this publisher and you were Mm -hmm. doing this on your own is that something that you would try and negotiate on your own or is it just kind of too daunting to to approach that um I mean to be honest I guess if I really wanted to release it, I would I would find out who their publishers were and try and get a contact. And maybe, because I have a lawyer as well, maybe ask my lawyer, how do I go about this? I think the best thing to do is always go to like a, legal, a professional. I think it's never going to work if like you randomly are like emailing Warner being like, hi there, <laughs> I'd like to release this. <laughs> I mean, usually, yeah. usually people put out bootlegs and they just release it and then they ask for permission afterwards. I'm not like that. Like I just, I, you know, I like to do stuff. Uh, luckily I have a publisher, so. But yeah, I think I think always try to to um, get the advice of a professional. That's what I would say. You definitely can try, but I think it would be really difficult. I wouldn't, I'm not sure where I would start. <laughs> yes, no good point. Okay, so if we don't have a publisher, then uh, try to contact a lawyer. A lawyer, I think so, yeah, because then they... Yeah, because then they can advise on to how, like, legally how you do it and how you go about it. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. So (laughs) as an artist, how do you feel that using interpolations in your songwriting can benefit you or just an artist in general? I guess music is always, like any art, it's always like a, um, it, it holds like, the history of all music <laughs> within it as well you know I think even if you're not 
directly using an interpolation of, of, of a previously existing song, you're always inspired by every single bass riff you've ever heard, every single piano line or like drum pattern. So I guess it's just taking another, it's just, it's like it, that kind of thought process, but then actually being really inspired by something else and using it as like, I think in hip hop, people will use the, the idea of a sample. It literally creates, it's, it's so much a part of the genre. And I think that's so awesome and so cool. So I guess in the same way, like creatively, it's just really fun. And I was born in the 90s. Some people listening to it would not have heard it when it first came out. So it's, I think, a really nice way of sort of like creatively bringing like different decades back into the future. And and I think like it's, it is what we already do anyway in music, but I think just a more, even more like creative way. And I think like for me, I wanted like, because it was such a joyous, like every single time it would come on, I'd be like, yes, I love this song. And I kind of wanted to create that, but like that we could listen to in 2023 in the club. Mm. I think it's mm. a really fun way of taking a song that like wouldn't normally be like in a club, well, it could be in a club setting, but like, you know, in house music. And it can like, you can create it in like an entirely different genre. So it can live in a different, it's in the same way as doing a remix, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. Then it can be played yeah. in a different setting and a different decade and a different generation. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. Very cool. And yeah. Sorry, that mean, was like a really long winded way of explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. And, and yeah, I mean, what a jam that you've chosen there as well. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. It's yeah, absolute 10 out of 10. What a track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also a 90s baby. So uh, yeah, just grown up with uh, with that song so love yeah. it I just so, think it's fun you know as an artist to be able to do that and I think we've got we've had so many interpolations in the last kind of couple of years I think it's just a really it's the same way as like you you have like an air of familiarity you know some people just watch my dad watches friends over and over and over again doesn't matter how many times he's watched it he will continue to binge watch friends so it's like a really nice way of like feeling like nostalgic yeah but in, a, in a new yeah way. yeah Oh, I'm definitely also guilty of that. It's like <laughs> such an easy thing to kind of switch off to. And um, yeah, so I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So can you tell me then as well, uh, Rafaela, uh, what have you got coming up for you in 2024? So, no, like Holler at Me was basically the first single of of a series of singles. So that's all I shall say. Watch this mm. space. I'm, ex I'm excited for next year. I'm just like getting oh. started. Very exciting. And yeah, it's it's such a uh, thing now, isn't it, to kind of go with that singles mm -hmm. route um, rather than the album and EP. How do you feel about that actually? Um, I have like mixed feelings because I grew up listening to albums. <laughs> I'm being so excited to have like a, a body of work from one of my favorite artists and I would like literally I would sit there and look at the album liner notes and see who'd done the saxophone who had done all the keys who had done all of like the drums and the percussion and I would like and then see like where it had been recorded and it was like one of my favorite things just to go through and then listen to the record like reading all the album liner notes like knowing who had done what and then imagining what that would have been like and stuff so Part of me is is like it's is sad that music is moving so quickly, but at the same time, I think as a as an artist, I kind of feel excited at the fact that 
you know, you can do so many different songs and put so much music out so quickly. That's really, really cool. So because we write, I write probably about like 200 songs a year. And so to, sometimes we're like, in, you know, before, like I would think, oh, well, I'm going to write this like EP or whatever. And then the concept that it comes out like a year later, yet you've done so many other songs, but it's just this body of work that is what you're putting out is I think kind of a bit can be quite frustrating for artists for us to feel like oh well that's just like a it was a snapshot of what we did and whereas this new kind of like putting out singles is quite is more of a real-time thing so it feels more current so like you know I could write something this week and it could technically come out in a in like two months time or even like quicker than that so that's I think quite fun I think it's quite exciting that I feel like I can put out music that's more relevant to who I am right now. But yeah, it would be nice. I think we should have like an album party or something, you know, and we could all like <laughs> sit down and listen to a whole album from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, whoa. For sure. <laughs> yeah. For so sure. I have mixed yeah, feelings, no. but overall, I think it is. I think it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, agree with you there on, uh, on a lot of those things. But um, I think... One thing that I've found to be a positive is that you can give each song its own limelight as well. Yeah, exactly. Because um, sometimes yeah. songs can then just get buried in inside Within an the, album. the album. Yeah, so yeah, true. Yeah. So now we are, Rafaela, onto our speed quiz. Are you dun, dun, ready dun. for that? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay, so it is five quick fire this or that question and the first one that comes to your mind. Okay, so, I'm ready. Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life? Oh, sweet Lord, that is hard. Oh, okay, well, it's meant to be quick fire, but like, okay, I'd rather give up <laughs> air conditioning and heating. Can't live without the internet. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I know. I can't, I, I okay. can't. I can't live without it because so much of my family is abroad. I need to talk oh, to yes, people. That's, that's yeah. tough. That's tough. Okay. It's tough. Okay. It's tough. So would you rather be 11 feet tall or nine inches tall? <laughs> um, I guess. Actually, do you want nine inches? Okay. I'm already short anyway. So I could just like go around <laughs> and I can like... I don't know. I could find like spots that are really cozy and like tiny bit tiny areas. Oh you yeah. Know? No one because it's kind it. of like the borrowers. I don't know if you ever got if you ever watched the borrowers. Like, tiny. No. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, would you rather be out of tune or half a beat behind? <gasps> oh, both are absolutely catastrophic. Sorry. <laughs> I think a beat behind. Okay. Would you rather watch nothing but Christmas movies or nothing but horror movies? Oh, nothing but Christmas movies. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you rather listen to your least favourite genre for a day nonstop or never listen to your favourite genre oh, for a Oh, that's easy. I'd listen to my least favourite genre for a day. Okay. Okay. All right. I also so have to I go back. that was... I'm so sorry, I have to go back. I'm changing my answer when it comes to beat behind or out of tune. Definitely okay. out of tune because we have auto-tune. You've oh, got to yes. have okay. rhythm and vibe is more important because you can fix okay. the tuning. There you go. 
Yeah, most people go the half beat behind, but that is true on the auto tune. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) it was probably one of the slower quizzes that we've had so far. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) But um, but no, I I enjoyed the involvement in you know in in these situations. So so that's all good. (laughs) Do apologise for enthusiasm. Okay, cool. All right. So coming to our. Yeah, <laughs> true. So coming to our top tips then, can you tell me what is your one top career tip? Mm, I think collaborate with people. I think that's like really, really important. Oh, I have a couple, but like, yeah, I think collaborate because when you first start making music, it's really, uh, I found it and I think most people find it really difficult to finish a song. So the way you learn how to do that is by writing with other people and collaborating because you can kind of like where you lack in one department, someone else might have an ins- piece of like a bit of inspiration and then you're able to finish something and by continuing to finish things you learn how to finish things and you get better and then also like the more people that you write with the more your social circle expands and then that's how you meet people so I wouldn't have met my publisher if I hadn't like I went for this I was at university and there was like this opportunity that came in um to like work in the EMI studios and like at the roundhouse and I just applied I was like why not so I just like went for loads of opportunities I just put myself out there and I won and I was like yay so I went there and by me performing there I got to perform here and then there and then I met my my publisher so yeah just go for every opportunity that you possibly can and and work with people because then most likely you'll meet someone else who will help will like introduce you to this person and that person yeah for sure for sure yeah they're building that uh that circle of your network as well. Uh, Very good. So what is your one top self-care tip? I try to like read every day, which I think is like quite important. So I try to like set aside like half an hour or an hour in the evening before I go to sleep just to read. And it could be like anything from poetry to fiction to nonfiction. I don't love nonfiction, but I mean, it's sometimes useful. <laughs> and so it's like that time where I just have it for myself and I'm just like, the, every day is so busy and there's so many things going on and I just try to always carve out that one hour a day for myself and just like, it really helps my soul. So yeah, I think that's my, that's what I do. I love that actually. And that's also one of my bedtime routines to to kind of help with the wind down of the day. But I do find nonfiction hard to read at night. Yeah, so, so do that's I. kind of when you want a, you know, a, a story. Yeah, you just <laughs> want to like dip into like a cosy, cosy book. Yeah. Is there any favourites that you might be reading now Ooh. or recently? So I, yeah, always. <laughs> um, I, be, I recently read Priory of the Orange Tree, which is really awesome, by Samantha Shannon, and it's like... Um, it's kind of like a feminist version of Game of Thrones, essentially. Okay. And it was really, really, really good. And there were bits that really cha- like challenged my own, I guess, like I didn't realize that I had these preconceived like ideas of, of, of gender, which is, you know, when it's just in you and you don't realize. So she was talking about like, oh, the captain, blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I was like, she, and then she was like, and she, and I was like, yes. Yes, the caption is a girl. Like, and so there were so many. Um, I think it was really good because it was written by a female. I actually love female authors. I think obviously I love I love the dudes too, but um, I think there's always like a different um, like ca- the character building around women is always really well done, 
Um, Because I think like growing up reading classics, like all the characters, the character development of men was always much better than the character development of of the female characters. So yeah, that was that was a really good one. And then the Thursday Murder Club series is just ten out of ten. Like you can oh, yes, so I good. read one of those recently. Actually, so so good. Yeah, it's so, so good. good. I've got yeah. the new one, and I'm just like I'm trying to like. And trying to read it as slowly as I can because you can literally oh, yeah. inhale those books. <laughs> so good. For so, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, good one. Love it. So what is your one top general life tip? I think try and remember that everything happens. I know it sounds so cliche, but everything happens for a reason. So like if particularly in music, you have so many... You have so many ups and so many downs and so many no's before you have yeses. And so I think one thing that's really helped me is I'm quite, I'm very spiritual. So I like to pray each day and like center myself and kind of have in my head that ultimately whatever I do, as long as I just put out good in the world and I try, whatever is right for me will come for me and nothing in in islam it's, it says like whatever is written for you won't pass you by and i think that's actually a really lovely sentiment and it really calms me each day that i know like whatever happens it's for the best and that's i think the so like for me sufism is one of the things that i love i don't know if you know rumi or hafiz they're like old persian poets. yes oh my gosh amazing and yeah. so like it's the idea to just try and like dissolve the ego to complete and utter stillness and one with oneness with like love and God and like the universe. And ultimately every day I try to like center myself with that feeling. And when particularly like the industry can be crazy, well, I mean, life can be insane. <laughs> so I always try to feel like if, if I'm centered and my gravity is, is calm, then whatever happens is meant to happen. And like, it, I don't let all of that circus and craziness try, like affect me as much as it used to. So, yeah. Yes. I love that. Love that. that. And uh, such a good, such a good tip. And sometimes or often hard to do, especially yeah. when things are it mental is. and crazy. But it's great to come back to that and, and, um, and center yourself as much as possible, especially when you need it in those times. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly you forget as well. <laughs> like, mm. Every time yes. I come back, I'm like, ah, yes, I am so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good uh, when we do come back to it. It's yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. 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 No, love that. So thank you so much for that, Rafaela. And I feel like I have learned a lot about yeah. this process that I didn't know anything about. So it's been really lovely and I'm sure our audience has gotten a lot from it and from you as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. My biggest three takeaways from the episode with Rafaela was firstly, before you use any section of another song or the composition of that song in your music, you need to make sure you have clearance from the original songwriters. And my second biggest takeaway was to get clearance of these sections of songs, you should get some professionals involved, whether they are your own music publisher or a music lawyer that you will go through as well. My last takeaway was that it's often not the amount of the song that's being used in your track that determines the split between you and the original songwriter, but actually the weight and the contribution of that song in your track and how it impacts the overall music. That's it from us this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you in two weeks.